Man, it's uh, it's good to be back. Um, I uh, I took uh, a little hiatus just on preaching. I've still been around and and working, but uh, not teaching uh, because about a month ago, one of the guys looked at me in staff meeting and they were like, "You okay?" And I was like, "I'm tired." And they were like, "What what can we do?" And I was like, "It'd be nice to have a preaching break, but I'm not really ready to go on vacation yet." And they were like, "Well, let's get you a preaching break." So. Uh, many thanks to my buddy Gary, who uh, preached a few weeks ago, and then, of course, uh, Ben and Penny both preached the last couple weeks, so I uh, appreciate all of them um, helping do that, and it's, it's, great. it's great to hear from all those guys, too, so I, I, I love that. It's good, good, to, good to get the break, but it's also good to, good to, uh, to have these other guys uh, teaching uh, for us as well, too, so uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's been nice. Um, the... Um, a uh, couple things going on. Uh, we'll kind of catch uh, people up to speed uh, a little bit. I just, <laughs> I got to tell you, but this has nothing to do with anything today. Uh, I got a meme right before I came up here as a picture of James Hatfield from Metallica, and it was the Muppets, and it said, uh, if James Hatfield married Kermit and Miss Piggy, he would be the pastor of Muppets. So, none of you are getting that joke today. Sorry. So it's good. It's a good joke. It's a good joke. The picture helps it, okay? Because you got James and it, never mind. So master puppets, nothing, nothing at all. Uh, I'm I'm really disappointed in some of you. I just want you to know that. Because I know some of you know what I'm talking about, and you're like, I'm not laughing at that in church. Whatever. Like I made Metallica references before. Um, now, uh, one of the things I want to share with you guys today, uh, because we have, we man, we've been we've been going through a ton of stuff as a church uh, together. Um, a lot of things happening. A lot of things happening with a lot of families right now in our church. Uh, this week has been no different in that as the last several weeks have been, um, and uh, a lot of hard things even for some people. And then, man, some amazing stuff going on. Uh, I'll talk about some of the other uh, here in a little while. But uh, one of the things has been awesome to get to see, uh, just kind of. Bits and pieces of thanks to um, our finance team, and this is you know for the folks that this is your church home. Let me kind of just this is for you guys. If you're visiting with us, just bear with me for a minute as I kind of share some stuff with everybody else that's going on. I'm glad for you to hear about it, but you may be like, "Oh, great, they're going to talk about money or something." Uh, so we've been for those of you that are visiting, we've been working through like what it looks like for us, the church, to continue to can uh, reach out into our community. Uh, and and be the church, and uh, not just be a church in the community, but to be a church in the community, uh, and and trying to reach into uh, several of these different uh, issues that are going on around us with uh, addiction and uh, just lots of things, adoption, and uh, I mean just all all sorts of stuff. And and we'll be talking a little bit about that even again later. And, and there's stuff out there you can read on the website and all kinds of things about that. Uh, but basically, part of this has has kind of led us to uh, the need to try to add on to our building for space, uh, for more kids space, uh, to add a Mother's Day out ministry, uh, uh, but then also to have more kids space to do the bus ministry that we're feeling led to do and going into some of uh, the neighborhoods in which we've been working with our sheriff's department and kind of identifying and, and other people too. Some of you have helped with some of this in identifying uh, just places where, man, there's probably even lots of kids that, you know, just growing up in, in tough situations that maybe we could minister to them, like bring them to be, you know, bring them to church, be a part of our family, love on them, care for them, uh, try to be a part of their lives. Uh, and, and I don't have to tell you about how impressionable kids are. I mean, we, we, we know, um, you know, with all that. So uh, all that being said, uh, we've been uh, working through some stuff called the Worth It Initiative uh, over many, many weeks. Last, I don't know. Uh, 10 weeks minus the last few. Uh, and uh, one of the things that we have come to is, you know, we've got to raise money to do to do this stuff. Obviously, buildings don't build themselves and, you know, things like that. And and so as a part of that, uh, what we've been doing is uh, to kind of give you some numbers, because I'm going to give you some actual numbers today uh, that, that I think are worth celebrating, uh, is, uh, you know, one of the things that we did is we asked people that this is their church home to pray about, uh, you know, doing a commitment card, just saying, you know, hey, I'm praying. We've prayed over this. My family's prayed over this, or I've prayed over this, and I feel led to be a part of giving this over the next two years. It's just kind of a two-year thing, and it's really just kind of, literally, it's kind of just a you know between you and God kind of thing. Not trying to guilt people into giving, not any of that kind of stuff, but just saying, hey, would you pray about 
Would you pray about giving? Would you pray about your giving and being, and being intentional with whatever God is leading you in giving? Uh, and so a lot of people have turned these cards in, like 80 to 90 or something like that, I think is, is kind of where the count is. I forget exactly how many. Um, and uh, I, nobody's really seeing these things except like, you know, one, one of our finance folks and that kind of thing. And they're, and they're just, you know, all they're doing is trying to gather for us information and that kind of thing. And uh, the beautiful part of this thing is uh, in doing so, it's allowing us to kind of see the trajectory of like what God is doing in people's lives. Like as they're praying about this, I mean, part is there's a lot of people didn't do a card. They're like scared of it. You know, they're like, oh, I, don't, I ain't doing that. I ain't writing nothing down on no paper. I'm not signing my name on nothing. I never signed my name on anything, you know, whatever. You know, people like that. And, you know, and at the end of the day, really what this does and, and all it was was a tool to try to help lead people in praying about it, number one. And number two, being able to help us to kind of gauge what is God doing and are we on the right track or have we lost our ever-loving minds and do we need to do something different, <laughs> okay? And so as, as we've done that, I wanted to share with you. So the, the goal over these next two years, which includes our regular budget, so you got you got to take that into effect. So regular budget being around 500000 a year, and then uh, beyond that, um, you know, this this thought that we would try to raise an extra seven hundred thousand dollars toward putting toward uh, the building of the expansion, which is going to be a little over six thousand square foot uh, on the end of the building to do these other ministry things that we're talking about. Um, and in the midst of all that, um, you know, we got We still got to do the budget. I mean, if we if we just left things in cruise control, budget's probably fine. So it's the idea that we're trying to raise this extra money or whatever. So we've had this, so the, the big number, the two-year number, total of two years that we're trying to raise is $1.7 million. And that's, to me, that's just like, it sounds so crazy after years in the life of this church when, you know, the budget was like a hundred grand or even less than that and stuff like that. I mean, it's just, it's nuts to even think about that we would even approach things like that. So here's, here's what we've got. So cards have come in, 80, 90 cards, something like that. And out of the cards that we've had come in, we've had commitments given. Now remember, some people are scared of the commitment card, okay? There's a lot of people, they're, just, they're not doing the commitment card, but they're still giving. So this is just on commitment cards, okay? So on the commitment cards, we've had uh, committed, again, not nobody's going to anybody's house with the bubbas and the guns and stuff and like making sure they get, you know, you didn't give your thing this week. It's not that, Okay. What we've had on the cards, $1,048,386. Exact, okay? Pretty, that's, that's awesome, yeah. It's awesome. Especially since you got a bunch of scared people, you know, like with, oh, I'm not doing a card, you know, whatever. And so um, I'm making fun of some of you today if you realize that, you know. I'm kidding, whatever. Uh, but then, so plus, so plus, and, and this be, you know, this is why you got a finance team and they handle the money and guys like me don't touch it or have anything to do with it. And I like it that way. Uh, is you know that the uh, they're able to also look at okay, well we've got we do have some people over here that they haven't turned in a card, but they are faithfully giving and they give online, and this is kind of what they give online. So if we just kind of take the status quo of like what they're doing, and we also had add that to it, uh, then the number goes up to one point three. $1,387,906. Again, very exact, I know. Then, then, okay, so several years ago, we embarked on this little journey called Building One, you know, and, and basically we had decided, you know, we've never had offices here at the church for our staff or anything like that. We've just always worked in foyers or at home or whatever. And, uh, and, and of course, that's part of the new thing or whatever that we're doing. Uh, but we said, hey, we need to get some offices. We got to do something, be more productive, try to, you know, move forward and all that good stuff. And so we had looked at doing this plan where we were going to build out actually onto the corner of the building over here. And so we started raising money for this thing. And there came a point in the midst of that where, you know, we, we started getting the real numbers of what that was going to cost. We kind of didn't get the real numbers from some people at a point that we really should have, but whatever, it is what it is. And there just came a point where we just said, I especially said, I, I, don't, I don't know that I feel good about it. I think we're spending too much money on too little of a return. You know, I mean, it's nice, it's going to be nice to have offices, but spend a lot of money. What do we spend the same amount of money? 
And we go out here and we just build on to the end of this thing. We just, we just take it out another whatever. And then what's it, you know, at that point when you're already doing it, what's it to do a little extra and pick up maybe trying to do new ministry and like really, you know, more impact in our, in our community and that kind of thing. So we start praying about all that. And that's how we ended up there. So building one, many of you have been faithfully giving to building one for several years now. And so then we've had this, this, this money in building one. Which that money, by the way, and all, and all of that's going toward this, but that money, by the way, is what has allowed us to pay architects, pay uh, the guy that was here uh, doing the uh, um, appraisal on the property. I mean, just all this kind of stuff even just happened this week, stuff going on. Uh, and then there's fees for like everything. Everybody's got their hand out for something. You're going to, you know, run a tiller or something, and somebody's like, oh, well, I need $1,000 for that, you know, or whatever. And so, uh, you know, I mean, there's just all this stuff going on. And so that... Coupled with that, you take you take the money on the commitment cards, okay? For those of you who weren't scared, it's not a haunted house. And then secondly, you take the you know the regular giving to people we know they're faithfully giving, but they didn't do a card. Then you take the money that was given through building one and and other gifts, and really the other gifts was part of that second number, and I left that part out. Um, all that together, one million five hundred and $29,447. That's amazing. That's amazing. I mean, like, we're really close. We're really close to this thing. I mean, like, and, and you know, and it's just, I mean, it's just amazing to see. It's just amazing to see uh, what God is doing. I mean, and really, you you bump that up. That Really, there's actually, an, uh, leaving out another thing, there was another thing that was given towards something. Uh, it's actually $1,542,947 which is 88% of the 1.7. I mean, to me, that's amazing. To me, that's amazing. I mean, uh, you know, there's, there's people in the room that could testify as to like financially where we've been as a church in the past, sitting in here right now that would just, if, if we gave them the time, they would, they would just tell you. Uh, this, this is a God thing. So uh, I, I say all that just to say thank you. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for believing in what God is calling and leading us to do because the ministries that we're talking about aren't like the, you know, like, uh, you know, hey, look at us type ministries. They're the get your hands dirty and this is probably going to jack some people up type ministry. Uh, and, and that's it. I mean, we, we feel like God has called us as a church, as this church, to be in this community for this time in history to not ignore real needs that are going on around us, whether it be uh, drug abuse, whatever whatever it may be. And so um, thank you for believing in that. Thank you for, for following the Lord and, and what He's leading you to do and continue to let Him lead you. So fantastic stuff. So thank you. Um, that being said, let's jump into it today, huh? shall we? The book of Mark. You got a Bible? Get it out. If you don't have a Bible and you want one, then our ushers will bring you one. If you do not own one, you can have that one. It is a gift. We'd love for you to have it. If you do own one and you didn't bring it because you're lazy, then that's okay too. We'll let you borrow it, and we'd love for you just to be able to follow along with us. We got scared people. We got lazy people. We got hungry people. How many of you just, just being honest right now, you're hungry right now. You'd like to eat right now. Fantastic. I can't help you with that. Uh, but I can talk about delicious foods while we're in here, though. I mean, we can talk about the best chips and salsa in town. I can tell you like some of the best Mexican restaurants to go to here or in Nashville or the best hot chicken. I had some pretty good hot chicken yesterday uh, or pizza or whatever. And I know some of you folks are, you know, eating lettuce and things like that too. It's fine. We're, <laughs> we're, glad, we're, glad, for, we're glad for you too. So do, do whatever you got to do. Um, but uh, no, we, uh, we're just glad you're here this morning. Uh, we've been going through the book of Mark. We've taken a little hiatus from it to get through uh, the Worth It initiative. And uh, I'm glad to be going back to the book of Mark today. Um, really, the next passage in the book of Mark, and because I'm wanting to kind of do some stuff in the fall, uh, so I'm trying to kind of be strategic with what I will teach uh, through the rest of the book here. Um, the next passage is actually this passage... Um, in, uh, in chapter 12, uh, where you see in the middle there, verse 18, you see these guys coming at Jesus with their questions, all right? And, and, and it's just typical, typical, let's try to trap Jesus with some like crazy questions. And this is coming from the Sadducees. And the problem is they're Sadducee, 
and uh, they uh, want to trap Jesus with the crazy, one of the craziest questions I think that Jesus gets asked throughout his entire ministry, and it is this question that you can go look at and check out later on about uh, they go to the law, and they've pulled out this piece of the law that's talking about if a brother dies, that the next brother should take his wife to take care of her, basically marry her and take care of her if he doesn't have a wife. And, and so they ask Jesus this question of, what if that brother had seven other brothers, and they all take them, like they all each die, and then the next one takes her as his wife, and they get to the end of it. When they get to heaven, whose wife will she be? <laughs> and Jesus is like, you guys are insane. You know, he's, he basically is like, uh, to, kind of get, to kind of give you the gist of it, is, is, is he's like, first of all, you have not clearly really read the law. Uh, secondly, you, have not, you do not clearly understand that in the kingdom of God, when you get to heaven, you're not going to be worried about that. That's not going to be the main thing. Yeah, you know, it's, that's not going to be on the forethought, forethought of your mind of like, you know, uh, forefront of your mind of, you know, who's married to who and all this kind of stuff. So anyway, Jesus kind of dispels that with Scripture. Imagine that. Uh, and, and that's all in that passage right there. So we're following, I'm just giving you kind of the background because we're following that passage here with this passage that we're studying today. And this passage that we're studying today is one of those passages that I, and I can't say this about tons of passages, by the way. I don't feel like feel this way about tons of passages of Scripture. But this is one of those passages that for me, that if I'm not careful, I could just teach this passage because I have taught this passage so many times. And the reason I've taught this passage so many times is because it, to me, is one of these passages that has completely changed the church for history. For history. Like it has changed the lay of the land of Christianity uh, for all of us because of some of the things that Jesus teaches in this passage. And so as we're looking at this passage today, I want you to know something. I've been praying that God would just speak through His Word and that I'd get out of the way and I wouldn't, wouldn't teach what I want to teach, but I would teach what He, uh, what he wants taught. And so um, as we're looking at this passage today, uh, I, hope, I hope that God speaks to your heart through it. Uh, it, I, first service was pretty unbelievable, I'll just say that. Uh, I'm, just, I'm excited about what God is doing even just through His Word today. Uh, Mark 12, verse 28. Let's read this together. It says that one of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another. Again, we're following the conversation about who gets to be married to the, to the, to the gal that you know, all of her husbands died. I don't know what was going on with that anyway. But uh, It says, disputing with one another and seeing that he answered them well, talking about how Jesus answered these guys, asked him, which commandment is the most important of all? Which commandment? is the most important of all. This scribe uh, that comes up to Jesus, we actually know a little background behind uh, the fact that we know that he was a lawyer. Uh, we know that because of the other Gospels. We have a little more input from some of the other guys and the things that they taught. And so, so we've, got, we've got these pieces of this, you know, of this puzzle here or whatever. And so in, in the midst of this moment, this, this guy comes to Jesus. He's well-educated well-spoken, and he's coming. He's, I, I do not, I absolutely do not believe this guy's trying to trap Jesus like so many people were trying to do with the crazy questions like the one that came before it. Um, but this guy's coming with a legit question where he's just straight up just like, okay, if you're the, if you're the guy, and obviously he believed that Jesus had some kind of knowledge here, he's looking at Jesus kind of going, if you're the guy and I'm not going to miss one thing, what's the one thing that I don't need to miss? What's the one commandment that rises above them all? Let's say I don't, I don't get the rest right. What's the one I got to get right? Have you ever had one of those moments where like you get to ask somebody that's like really important, like a question? You know what I'm saying? Like you, you kind of, you like, you've, maybe you've spent your whole life like watching this person or listening to this person or whatever it is, and then you get like that chance to like really get to talk to them. And, 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 and the moment comes... And then, like the you know, it's time to ask the question, and you and you and you just kind of fumble the ball. Just to be honest, you, you know what I'm talking about. I, I got to tell you, when I was a kid, and before uh, we moved down to Jolton, when I was like 12 years old, lived in a little place called Princeton, Kentucky. Not a, not a ton going on in Princeton, Kentucky, 
And growing up, we watched the news. You'd see some news from here in Nashville, usually Channel 5. And then, you know, you saw, we saw news from Paducah, Kentucky, okay? They have, they have a news station. I think it's Channel 6. I verified several things with Jerry, actually, during the first service while he was running sound, and we were kind of doing a back and forth. I knew he'd know all the background, uh, and he did. Uh, but so, because uh, he's Mr. Channel 5, and he grew up in western Kentucky. Uh, but, so, when I was growing up, we watched Channel 6, and one day, we took a field trip to Channel 6. We went to Paducah. <laughs> Folks, I'm telling you, it's a big deal. This is a big deal. We, load, we loaded up buses. They gave us sack lunches. We had jungle juice and everything, okay? <clears throat> and so we go to Paducah, and we go to the news station, and I'll never forget, like, we're all, we get to go into the studio, and we're just like, I'm, you know, looking at all the stuff, and I'm already into, like, sound equipment and stuff, because I'm just a weird kid or whatever. And, uh, and so I'm, like, checking out all the equipment and thinking all this stuff's cool, and, and I'm sitting on the floor. We, we're all sitting on this floor, and, and then out comes the meteorologist. I'm talking about the, the guy. The guy. I mean, it's like it was Ron House for Nashville, and it was Cal Sisto for Paducah, Kentucky, okay? And like Cal comes out, and it's like, I mean, like, and, and me like Cal in some weird way, this will make no sense to some of you, but to me, he's like the quintessential meteorologist. He was like the, you know, the well-spoken kind of, I don't know, he just, he's like a stereotype or something or whatever. And, and so, you know, he comes out and everybody, everybody knows Cal because we all watch Cal, you know, late at night and their parents are watching the boring news or whatever. And all we want to see is if it's going to rain the next day or not. And Cal comes out. And so he's talking with us and he's explaining stuff. And it gets to the end and there's like a question and answer time with Cal. And he's going around and anybody that's got a question and I'm sitting there and I'm like, I got I to gotta talk to him. I mean, I've I've never gotten to talk to Cal before. I got, this is my chance. I'm going to ask him a question, you know? And like the smart kids, they're like, can you tell us more about the cumulus clouds and, you know, stuff like that, you know? And then there's the kids like me. And Cal, by, by the way, it, it was, it was, uh, basketball season was over with at the point that we were there, or it may have been in the fall. We hadn't started it yet or something. I don't know. It was not basketball season which, by the way, is the only season in Kentucky, if you didn't know. Uh, and so um, we, we were sitting there, and, and I, I, you know, I finally I raised my hand. I've got, I've got, I've got up the gumption, whatever. I've got a question, you know. And he says, yeah, you what? Tell, tell me, you crazy little boy, what do you want? You know, what do you got? And I said to him, I said, do you think that the Wildcats basketball team is going to win this week? And... I'll never forget, because like my my friends then are no different than my friends now. They would give me the are you stupid look, I mean in a flat second. <laughs> and all all of a sudden they're all looking at me like, what? And I got I got I got a friend next to me, he's like, dude, that's the meteorologist. That's not the sports guy. And I was like, it's already been asked. I don't, you know. And and I'll never I'll never forget, dude is so gracious. He was so gracious with me and so good. He was like, he says something to the effect of like, well, you know, I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm hoping we have a good team this year. I don't think we're playing right now, but, I, you know, I'm hoping for a good team this year. And uh, that's, a, that's a good question, you know. And I was like, okay, that was, that was not a good question. This guy, this guy is asking a good question. This guy is on point. This guy knows what a good question is, and he knows who he's asking. This guy has asked the question that will change the church forever. He says, which commandment is the most important of all? And Jesus answered, the most important is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. Now, maybe you've heard this before. If you've been around the church for some period of time, you've probably heard this before. 
the people that were hearing it when Jesus said it, at that moment, were historically people who would have actually already known this from something else. Jesus is somewhat quoting a passage that we know as the Shema, which is a hugely important passage. Hugely important passage to the Jewish people. Like this was, I mean, when, when this started coming out of Jesus' mouth, I'm pretty, you know, I'm pretty sure there were probably people sitting there that at the moment that this guy asked Jesus this, that I'm sure that there's some of these people that are sitting there and they're thinking, oh, Jesus is going to give us the, one, the, the, the best out of ten. We're doing a top ten with Jesus and we're going to do the number one and we're just going straight to the number one of the Ten Commandments, right? And Jesus doesn't do that. Instead, Jesus begins sharing the Shema. In fact, I want to read it to you. I want to read it to you out of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy 6, verse 4, and it'll be up here. Deuteronomy 6, verse 4, and it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be, the front, be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. They took very seriously this to be even as a command. That like this passage was that important. So when Jesus, when Jesus starts spitting this, and again, I think that a lot of them were probably looking for like the top, you know, the top one of the Ten Commandments, and that's not what they get. He throws this at them. They're, I'm sure, probably just a little taken aback, but, but I want to I go back to Mark and I want to read it again, what Jesus says. It says this again, verse 29, Jesus answered, <clears throat> The most important is, is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Same exact thing. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. And so the difference there being, there comes a point there where, where Jesus doesn't go into the all your mind and all your strength, he just says with all your might. So they're hearing this, and then they hear Jesus change a little bit, but then Jesus isn't done. Jesus has answered the question. It's seeming, it's seeming that at this, at this point, like Jesus has answered the question, what is the greatest commandment? Jesus throws out the Shema, a little change, little change up to it. But then verse 31, Jesus says this, he's continuing on, he has not stopped. He says, and the second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. These. You see, guy asks one question for one thing, and he gets two answers. Jesus is slick like that. Jesus puts these two things together that are so important that he sees them as two things that can't be separated. That can't be separated. Uh, let me go ahead and read the rest of the passage. I want to read and let you just kind of see what happens after this. We have the scribe. He kind of has a response here. Verse 32 says, And the scribe said to him, You are right, teacher. And I'm thinking, you know, if I'm Jesus, I'd be like, Of course I'm right. I'm Jesus, right? The scribe said to him, You are right, teacher. And he says, you have truly said that he is one and there is no one other besides him. And to love him with all the heart and with all the understanding and with all the strength and to love one's neighbor as oneself is much more than a whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. And when Jesus saw that he had answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And after that, no one dared to ask him any more questions. 
I love this back and forth. And I love the picture that it gives us to get to see the dialogue between the two. And I got to tell you that, you know, for years and years of my ministry, I mean, uh, 24 will be 15 years old in January. Uh, and then uh, I was a youth pastor before that for like nine years or something, and uh, which is kind of crazy. Um, and, you know, when I go back and I think over ministry and I think over like praying through the vision of our church and what God has been leading us to do as a church, and any time and every time that I have ever sat down and thought through and prayed through what's, what's God calling us to as a ministry, what's God leading us to, as a church, even as even as a youth pastor, what was God leading, you know, in in our student ministries that that I helped lead, and all those things? Every single time, I came to this passage of scripture. Every single time, because if you look at this passage of scripture, and if you don't believe me, then we'll we'll go back historically at least for fifteen years. Uh, if you look at this passage of scripture, what you see are these two things: love God, and what. Love people. Love each other. Love your neighbor as yourself. Fifteen years ago as 24 Church, we said it like this. We said, reach up, love God. Reach out, love people, reach in. You know? Then we would say, love God, love people, live gospel, make disciples. That was another thing. Now we say gospel, family, mission. All, all along the way, same, saying the same thing over and over. Saying the same thing over and over. Between this and the Great Commission, Matthew 28, we have, in my opinion, two of the most important passages of Scripture in us understanding the mission in which God has left for us and what it looks like to worship Him. You know, I think, I think that for a lot of people, we get worship kind of caught up into being like only times that we sing songs or something, only times that we read the Bible, or only times that we pray. And, and the truth is, is that we worship all the time with everything we've got. In fact, Jesus is making this great statement for us today, and it's as good for us today as it is for them, where He says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Now, is that, you know, what's Jesus saying here? Is He talking about, you know, the Trinity and Father, Son, Holy Spirit being one? I don't think that's what He's talking about. And the reason I don't think that's what He's talking about is because we actually see the scribe actually kind of regurgitate in his own words what he says. He says, you are right, teacher. You have truly said that he is one, and there is no one, there's no other besides him. He's saying that there is no other God other than him. And that's it. You know, it sounds so simple. Like, we hear that, and we're like, oh yeah, I got that. I got that. I'm, I'm there. I believe, I believe that God's one true God. I believe that, you know, Father, that the Father sent His Son to die for us on the cross. And, you know, I, I, believe, I believe that. I'm, I'm there with you, Chris. I'm right there. But here's the truth. We say that He is God, but yet He is many times not the Lord of our life. See what I'm saying? We put other things in this world on the throne and we say, there you go. That's what I'm going to adore. That's going to be my God for right now. That's going to be the most important thing. And Jesus is just, he's just giving us a warning. He's just trying to help us to see we were created to worship. We will worship all the time. We will worship something. I could, you know, find, find a collector and just talk to them for five minutes about what it is that they collect. You will find that they lose themselves in talking about it. I mean, so fast. I mean, I'm, I'm that way. Come over and look at the junk at my house. We get to talking about it. You'll be like, you know, like a nerd, you know? Well, yeah, kind of. Okay, I'll take it. And it's okay to enjoy things, but man, we got to watch. We got to watch what we truly worship. What's really getting our adoration? What's getting our time, our talents, our treasure? Are we too busy? Are we too busy for the mission that God has called us to? And that's a, that's a hard question to answer some days for us because we're a busy people. But God has called us to something that we can be a part of all the time in everything that we do, that we could worship Him in all things and that He might be made known, that people might know Jesus because they know us. 
Jesus goes on, he says, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And then he says, and the second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. He marries these two things together that Jesus recognizes and realizes is so important for us. In fact, 1 John 4.21 says this, 1 John 4.21 says, And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. So, I mean, and, and, and I can track with three other passages just like that, with where basically we have this same understanding that to love God means that we love people, that we would care for other people. And so the question of that, what's that look like? What's that look like for us? In, in the life that God has given us, in the mission field that He has dropped us in, because guess what? If you know Jesus, you are a missionary for the gospel. You are a minister of the gospel. And you have been given opportunity that nobody else is going to get. I'm given opportunity you don't get. You're given opportunity that I don't get for us to get to be light into all kinds of places. Some of those places are pretty dark. Some of those places, not as dark. But what we have here is we have Jesus doing something that's pretty amazing. First of all, I'll, I'll throw this out there at you too. If you didn't realize this, Jesus answers this question about what's the greatest commandment. The first four commandments of the Ten Commandments are all about loving God. If you look at them, the first four commandments are about loving God. You want to know what the other six are? They're all about loving people. They're all about loving people. Jesus takes the Ten Commandments and consolidates them and gives them a little more heart, just to be honest with you, of like what it looks like for us to follow the Lord, for our lives to be changed by the Gospel. And at the same time, He makes it clear that there is no separation of the two. No separation of the two. I'll tell you what else he does. He does something, he does something with talking about loving others that no one before him had done. And this was this was pretty earth shattering. So, first of all, he starts out with the Shema, and then he, of course, changes that just a little bit. But then on top of that, he throws in this whole like, and love your neighbor as yourself. Well, they they had heard to love their neighbors. They had not at this point in history heard to love your neighbor as yourself. Now, we are so used to hearing that, and that the world that we live in as a whole, so many people have adopted that phrase. They don't even realize that this is coming from the Son of God Himself. And they're just like, oh, you know, well, you know what the, you know, you know what the, you know, it's, it's, it's that common thing. I'm like, you know what the Bible says, you know, and I'm like, oh, this is going to be good right here, you know. And then they'll like quote like some kind of half-truth, or you know, whatever. I'm like, oh, yeah, well, kind of. You know, but you know, but one of the things that we hear a lot of people quote is to love your neighbor as yourself. Okay, so what? Why is that a big deal? Here's why it's a big deal. Everybody understands that. That's why it's a big deal, because we're all a bunch of sinners. And even the worst of sinners still loves themselves, right? And you might say, oh, well, Chris, you know, I'm, I'm struggling with like really loving myself. I'm not, I'm not talking about that, okay? Because even when you're struggling with like loving yourself, and I get that, and I know that that's an issue for a lot of folks, even, even when you're there, you still, in the heart of you, you still love yourself because guess what? When it comes time to leave out here today, you might not be loving yourself, but you're thinking about what you love to eat. And you're like, I'm going to go get me some of that, right? You're thinking about that chips and salsa? The cheese dip comes with it. Tasty fajitas. Trying. You guys are hard crew today. What's up with you guys? You're just ready to go eat. That's what it is. Jesus gets to the heart of us. He understands that we understand that to love your neighbor as yourself means that you would do by them as you would hope that somebody would do for you. So here's the thing that's really stuck out to me as I've been studying this last several days. In 
I don't even want to know how many years that I have looked at this passage of Scripture or how many times I have studied over it, how many times I have copied and pasted it into documents for our church and for other ministries and, and, and helping other pastors or people or whatever it is. For some reason, this week was the week that the Lord revealed like something new to me on it that was just like, and it comes up right there in verse 34. And it says, And when Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. You are not far from the kingdom of God. What's he say? Does he say you're close? No, no. He says you're not far. He says you are not far from the kingdom of God. Jesus Jesus is making a statement here to this guy who's having this conversation with him specifically. And he's saying to this guy, you are not far from the kingdom of God as an encouraging word. As you're getting close. You're getting close. You're starting to figure it out. But at the same time, he's also saying, but you're not there yet. Folks, that's a huge statement. That's a huge statement, and I would say that that statement is true, no doubt, for somebody that's sitting in here right now, but that statement is undoubtedly true for lots of people that are in our community that God has called us to love, people that God has called us to reach out to, called us to be Jesus to. There's so many folks that God is putting around us right now that He's leading us to, to, to be a part of their lives, to share our lives with them. Yesterday, the day before, we had storms rolling through. All kinds of people. Out of power, all kinds of people with trees down. Went outside yesterday, <coughs> was hanging out for a few minutes, and I noticed that my neighbor across the street has trees down. Uh, he's an older gentleman. In fact, he is an older gentleman who is a retired uh, NADC, that'll mean nothing to some of you, Nashville Auto Diesel College uh, instructor. That's what he did with his life. He taught young men and women how to work on cars, trucks. I know for a fact there is not a thing that he could do about those trees laying in his yard. He manages to pay a guy to come mow it, and that kind of thing, and I, I just, I thought to myself, man, I gotta, I gotta do something to help that guy. I don't own a chainsaw, but I'm gonna figure out how to try to help him. God's putting people like him around us all the time. All the time. And, and the real question for us is, are we really going to listen, and are we going to respond? You see, we can go through life like going, oh yeah, that, that person's really in need. You know, let's let's pray. You know, let's pray for them. That person, they're they're really in need. Let's you know, we need to be thinking about them. No, we need to get our hands dirty, and we need to help some people. God's putting people in our lives that need help. He's putting people in houses next door to us that need help. He's putting people in neighborhoods that we've never even driven into, that are still a part of our community that need help. I did another funeral this week for a young lady who overdosed two weeks ago. Me and my dad have had this joke for years. You know, he's a pastor as well. I've had this joke for years of, you know, how he, he's always doing funerals. They got a bigger church and a lot, lot of older folks, you know, in it and that kind of thing. And it's just, it's kind of, that church is especially at this point in its life, is just there. I mean, they're just having funerals, a lot of funerals, and he's doing funerals all the time. And so, I, you know, it's not nothing for him for me to call him and be like, "Hey, what's up?" And he'd be like, "I'm in a funeral procession." I'm like, well, of course you are. It's like that uh, that first one this week. No, I've already done one or two or whatever it is. You know, I mean, he's always doing funerals, and that's part of you know his calling, what the Lord uses him in doing. And we make jokes that you know I'm I'm always doing weddings this time of year, especially I've done been a part or done you know three weddings in the last four weeks, you know, if that tells you anything. And, so, and that's great. Um, but, you know, 
for years and years, we started 24, I never did funerals. I never did funerals. Might do one just every once in a blue moon. Somebody, somebody's parent or grandparent passed away, Parvater Church, whatever. And then, of course, now we have all the folks at Parvater Church. I know that's going to be part of it in the days to come. I'm, I'm, I'm aware of that. I'm okay with that. Don't look forward to it, but it's part of it. The last couple years, last 18 months, I'm doing funerals for people that are overdosing. Some of them young people, some of them not. And, you know, people will say what they'll say about addiction. And you'll get people that'll say things like, oh, well, you know, just, you know, they're going to do that stuff. There's no reason trying to help them. Just thin them out, you know, and all that kind of junk. Let me just tell you something. If that's really what you believe, you are welcome to come go with me when I come and sit in the hospital room of a 34-year-old young lady who's in a coma, who's brain dead, and they have watched her suffer through this addiction as a disease for the last many years of her life. They would not mind me sharing this, by the way. we got to help these people. We can't, we can't pretend like it's not going on. And I know we've talked about that. I know that our heart as a church is driven in that direction, but I'm, I'm just saying it because at some point the rubber has to hit the road. We can't just talk about it. So here's what we're doing. This is just a step, okay? It's a step in a direction. Already on the website, 24church.com, you can go on and you can find this link. It's in one of those blocks. Ben set this up for us yesterday. And you can click on one of these things. These are different things that we feel as a church God is leading us to and I'm going to be straight with you and tell you, I don't have a clue how some of it's going to happen. And that's why you can click on a link, because if you feel led to be a part of helping to see us through one of these things, to be a voice in the conversation, then go on, click on it, input your information, send it, and what will happen from that is you'll hear in several weeks, you'll hear from us, we're going to start getting groups of people together, to at least to begin to pray and just say, you know what? We're going to pray over this together. We don't know where it's going to go. We don't know what it's going to look like. We don't have it all figured out. Maybe we've got some pieces of puzzles because we do have some pieces of some of these puzzles. But the truth is we don't have the whole thing figured out, but we want to start getting some people together and we want to just start praying and saying, God, where are you leading us? Where are you taking us on this? Like we want to start, we want to start to go. We want to start to love on people because folks, let me tell you what, there is a whole bunch of people smack dab right here around us that are not far from the kingdom of God. But not far is not there. And we've, we've got to keep in mind, we've got to keep in mind that God is going before us and He's cultivating, all right? He's working in the hearts of people. Last time I checked, He's the one that does the saving, okay? Like we're not doing any saving here. God's the one that does the saving. Thank God for that. And, and the truth is, is that He's going before us and He's beginning to work in the hearts of people. And maybe, maybe it's for some of those people just to get to the point in their life where they really are willing to say, I need the help. Or maybe it's for some of those, for some of those people that it's like, you know, I, I really just need somebody to love on me. And we start looking at our neighbors like my guy across the street and going, well, the guy's got some trees down. I don't know what to do about it. We're going to figure it out. You know what? We're going to get our hands dirty. We're going, to, we're going to start right there because it is through meeting their needs that they will feel loved from us. It is through meeting their needs that they will see and hear the gospel through us. We've got so much opportunity in front of us. I mean, so much opportunity. It's unbelievable. Pray, be praying about that. Be praying. I mean, you may already see one of those things that go, oh, that's my thing. That's my thing. Go, go ahead and click on. We had people in the first service with their phones out and doing it. I don't care. Whatever. Do it to it. The biggest question that we can ask ourselves today is this. Are we far or are we there? Are we far or are we there? 
Have we trusted? Have we trusted in Jesus to be the Savior that, that the Father sent Him to be for us? Have we trusted and believed in Him to be enough that we believe that the death that He gave on the cross was enough to take the death that we deserve for our sin? Do we believe that today? Do you believe that today? Don't be far. Be there. You, my friend, are not far from the kingdom of God. If you have not believed, maybe today is the day that you hear the Lord saying for the first time, trust, trust in me. Let me lead you. Let me bear the burden of all the things, of all the sin. Let me forgive you and renew you for the perfect plan that I have for your life. Believe in me. If that's you today, and the Lord is speaking to your heart, I'm just encouraging you. Listen to Him. Follow Him. It's faith. It's stepping out. It's stepping into the unknown to actually believe and trust in the Lord to do that in your life. But I'm here today to tell you, it is the single greatest thing that will ever happen in your life. I wouldn't be standing here doing this if I didn't believe that. I'd go somewhere else and do something. I wouldn't be right here. For our friends, for our neighbors, may we remember that they are not far from the kingdom of God. And God is calling us to be a part of their lives for such a time as this that we might help get them there that we know that God is already doing a work, already softening their hearts, already getting them ready for us to serve them, for us to love them, for us to care for them, that He might be made known in their life. How are we going to do that? How are we, how are you and I going to help them with unbelief? Love. Love. We're going to love them like we would hope that somebody would love us. Let's pray together. God, help us as your people to see clearly what it looks like to help lead others that are not far away from you. Help us to be your image to them, to share your love with them, to do a great work in their life. Or thank you for doing a great work in our lives. God, we don't deserve it. And we can't earn it. But God, what you have done for us is single-handedly the greatest thing in history, Lord, that you would send your Son to die for us, that while we were still sinners, that He would take the death that we deserve. God, thank you for loving us like that. God, help us with our unbelief as we help others with theirs. Lord, may we never forget that they are not far. And God, for anyone that's here listening to this that has never trusted in you, God, I pray, Lord, that they would know today, too, that they are not far either. Lord, thank you for loving us. Be glorified in us. We ask this in your name. Amen.